everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. On today's three-part episode, yeah, this is a first, it's a three-part episode. And it doesn't surprise me because my guest today is Brett Contreras, who's known as the glute guy in the fitness space. If you haven't heard of him, I can't believe you must have been hiding under a rock. But um, if this is your first time, you are going to love this three-part interview. It is jam-packed with so much. I love this guy, honestly, Um, not only because he really knows what he's doing um, as far as, I mean, he's so... He's so knowledgeable. He's so intelligent. Um, he's so experienced. Um, he has, he's been at this for so many years and has such a portfolio of outstanding before and afters when it comes to glute work. And what I love about him as well is you might hear this and go, oh, great. Some guy that helps girls get a great ass, right? Look at it further. Not only does he also, this is not just glute training for women. This is for men. But he goes into great detail. Um, We're talking about his new book, and it's out, The Glute Lab. And one of the things that impressed me the most when I was looking through the book at first was the incredible amount of detail. Now, I've purchased one of Brett's books years ago. Um, I believe it's called Strong Curves. I'm embarrassed if I'm saying the title wrong, but forgive me. And that was very detail-oriented, and this is even more so. And what I love is that in the book, he's explaining, you know, why is it so important and why will it benefit you to train your glutes and work on strong glutes outside of the aesthetic, right? Everybody wants to have great looking glutes as far as just how they look, but it goes far beyond that. And we talk in this interview about why glute strength is so important for health, for strength, for performance, and for injury prevention, among other things. And these are, these are items and topics that he goes into great detail in in his new book, which I strongly recommend. Um, The other thing I love about Brad is he's just so down to earth. Um, His story, how he got started working out from being such a skinny guy when he was young um, to being the person he is now. And if you look him up, you know, he's very fit. You would never look at him now, I think, and go, oh, I'm sure he was like a really skinny, wimpy guy in high school. 
No. Um, but it was really, this was a tremendously fun interview. We had no idea we were going to end up going 60 minutes, let alone 90 minutes, but, um, he's fantastic. I learned so much from him. Um, this is now something that is a primary focus for me. Um, I've, for those of you guys that have been following with me for a while, you know, last year in 2019, um, I've been dealing with chronic headaches and migraines. I've missed probably 70, if not more, 70% of my working out time because I was just benched, um, in chronic pain. And so now that I'm getting back at my working out, um, I just feel softer, right? I feel it. And interviewing him here got me so fired up, not only to obviously get back to working out, but really train my glutes hard um, and train them in the way that, that he he guides. And I love to, I won't get into giving away the whole interview here, which sometimes I can do when I record these intros, but I love how he has like a three-pronged approach to training glutes. It's not just, I mean, people know that he's known for inventing the hip thrust, right? But that's not the only thing you do to train your glutes. He really comes at this with a very comprehensive three-pronged approach. And the more you read it, you're like, wow, this makes sense. You know, you come at it from all of these three different planes of movement, if you will. And again, I'm not the expert here, so I'm just going by memory by what we talked about. But you're really going to love this interview. Make sure you tune in in order to all three parts. So this is part one. Um, and I will obviously make sure I record in the intros for the others that you, you know, in, in, make sure you listen to all three parts in order. Otherwise, it's just not going to make sense at all. But I know you're going to love this show. I can't wait for you to tune in and hear it. You will, if you've never heard of Brett Contreras before, I know you're going to be running out and buying not only his new book, but anything else he's put out. Follow him on Instagram. He's amazing. But for right now, sit back and get ready because this is a three-part episode with Brett Contreras, the glute guy. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Kelly O Show. As I said in the intro, I am ridiculously, insanely excited to have Brett Contreras on the show. I have been a fan of his for so long. I have, and I've already, I've, I'm totally embarrassing myself, Brett, but what's, what's the name of the first book that I have of yours? Strong Curves. Yeah. Um, I bought, I bought that forever ago. It's actually on my Kindle. Um, and just, I have watched him become even more, for lack of a better word, famous in the, in the uh, fitness space. He is one of the most respected individuals on glute training, building the glute. Um, and I'm so excited because he's got a new book out and we're going to talk about all things glutes and not just from, you know, a looking good perspective, but from a strength and a performance and a health perspective as well. So Brett, welcome to the show. Are you ready to go? Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm, I'm a huge fan. And I think I, as I was reading through your new book, The Glute Lab, um, it's incredible. I mean, there is so, you put so much detail into everything you do. Um, you are exceptionally well-spoken. You're really good at teaching. Um, your content is awesome. I mean, I, I know I'm just like throwing up the compliments all over you, but I, I really mean it. I think you're, you're one of the greatest folks people should be tuning into and following out there. And obviously your body of work, no pun intended, um, is exceptional. I was looking at some of the before and afters. I'm like, damn. Um, and, and one of the questions that, well, I'm going to say one of the questions is, you know, about people like myself, because a lot of the people you work with when building glutes, um, kind of have like a, a flat butt to start with. And then you build these wonderful glutes. And then there's people like me, like I was born with junk in the trunk. 
And it wasn't muscle, obviously, but I'm going to ask questions about, you know, for people that were born that way, is there, you know, a different approach? We'll talk about that later, but, but no pun intended. Let's get started with, for those that are first hearing about you that are tuning into this show today, tell them your background. You know, you're known as the glute guy. Everybody in the fitness space knows you, but there are people out there that are just listening to this and they're hearing about you for the first time. So tell us how you, when did you first start getting into working out and fitness? When was that in your life and why? Uh, well, before I get started, I want to say like that book you complimented, I could have never done it without my co-author, Glenn Cordoza. I, I waited patiently for him because he had written this book, Supple Leopard, that crushed it. And I'm like, this guy knows how to do it right. I want the best co-author. And it was so nice because, uh, He's like me, uh, like obsessed with comprehensivity or whatever, the comprehensiveness. Like it, mm-hmm. he let me put everything I wanted into the book and it's so much better because of it. So uh, props to him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good, but I have <laughs> organizational skills that aren't the best. I always need people to help me, too. help me shine. And so props to him. Now to answer your question. So, uh, uh I got into lifting weights, um, I mean, it's it's funny when you're like a 15 year old skinny kid that's just so you know just just uh, I had no muscle whatsoever. I was the skinniest. You know, people used to joke around and call me and my twin brother Ethiopian, like Ethiopian kids, because well, back then there wasn't like we weren't as, <laughs> we weren't as PC back then. Exactly right. We weren't very PC back then, but also. You know, there were a lot of commercials back in the day, like when I was, I mean, this is, we're talking almost 30 years ago. Yeah, more than 30 years ago. Um, there were the, you know, that was like an area in Africa where there were a lot of malnourished kids. And, um, and I, you know, I looked malnourished. I actually looked malnourished. <laughs> I was so skinny. And my grandma, even up until like, I think high school, she would like, she would put her hand around my arm and her fingers could touch. And like, oh, that's wow. how small my arms were. And uh, she would That's just, like my wrist, Brett. I know. My <laughs> arms were smaller than your wrist. And she'd shake her head in disappointment. I felt, I mean, I, <laughs> Sorry. I felt like a failure. Like I'm letting everyone down because I can't gain weight. But hell, me and my brother ate like nine bowls of cereal a day. And we, we were just, we were, we ate a lot, but we were so active. You think back to, mm-hmm. I think back to high school, for example. And I'm like, man, you, I, I would get up get ready, walk to school, walk, like, you know, we were probably a mile and a half from school. Then you'd, you'd were always on your, you know, on your feet in between classes, walking to your different classes, going to your locker room, going to PE, you know, you'd be active the whole hour of PE. Then I'd, I'd, you know, during lunch, we'd play like wall ball. Then after school. I remember wall ball. <laughs> remember wall ball? Or like, yes. But, but but what was it called? Where you throw the tennis ball against the wall, and then if you touched it and, <laughs> and dropped it, you got you had to run and touch the wall, and they, they, the person who picked the ball up got to throw it at you. Um, Back then, it was so simple. We just played with balls, and that sounds inappropriate. Balls, but, you know. that's all we did. Yep. And <laughs> and then after school, we would uh, I would walk home, and then I'd get on my bike and ride. I'd ride to a friend's house. We'd play basketball until the sun went down and then I'd ride, ride my bike home. I was probably physically active for like, you know, eight hours out of the day. And now you think about it, it's like, okay, we lift weights and maybe you go for a little, maybe you walk a little bit here and there. You're probably active, 
you know, it, it, it used to be probably, you know, like 50 hours a week of being active and now it's more like, you know, 20 hours a week. So everyone thinks their metabolism slows down so much, but it's more the, 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 the decreases in, act, in exercise and need. I always, now that I'm older, I'm 43, you know, I have some joint pain, especially my knees. And it's like, when your knees hurt, you don't want to move around as much. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're like, oh, I, I'm thirsty, but I don't want to get up and get a drink out of the fridge. I'll just wait. <laughs> if someone's at my house, I'll just, hey, can you grab me a drink, please? Like, and so you don't move as much because it hurts. Like when you're a kid, remember you just be, you could be like, wake up from a nap and then just jump. You jump off the couch into a full, like a full squat landing and you, you know, you could like bounce off, 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 off of building this stuff and you're fine. Now Kids like fall out of their crib, hit their head and then they yeah. still want to, they're crying, but then they get up and they just keep going. And me, like I, the number of times I've said to my man after a workout, I'm like, I just, I want somebody and I'm not even trying to be sexy. I'm like, I just want someone to undress me and shower me. Like, I just don't even want to do it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I can't even think about making that much effort. It's like I've, I'm spent. And so you think back to being a kid and yes, when can we, we wish we could get that energy back. So I was such a skinny kid and I just wanted to, you know, a, I wanted to stand up to bullies. My, my school was really, really bad with bullying, and, and mm. especially that era. Like, I was a teacher later on. You know, for six years, I was a high school math, math teacher, and the schools had anti-bullying policies. We didn't have those back in the day, and it was like just tradition that you, you know. Exactly. Seniors, seniors would beat the crap out of freshmen, and, um, and it was actually scary, you know. So, um, I didn't want to be bullied and I wanted to even, you know, I wanted to attract a, a woman eventually. I wanted to get a. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you talk. <laughs> I wanted to start hooking up with women and I, I knew that would no woman was going to like me if I weighed way less than they did. I remember being in, in, I think it was like ninth grade and all the girls were like, I weigh 110, I weigh 105 and I weighed like 98 still. I hadn't even crossed a hundred pounds and they were like, <laughs> You don't even weigh a hundred, ew! Like so, um, <laughs> stuff scars you a little bit. You know, it 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 plays with your self esteem, and and it takes a long time to undo. Absolutely, the the the, the harmful effects of like your adolescence. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, how I got into glutes was like I overheard constant theme here, right? Like I overheard women, you know, that, that I had a crush on in high school. Like I think I was a, a maybe I was a junior or senior. Anyway. Yeah, I think it was a senior. These girls I had a crush on were like, let's go watch football practice. I love staring at the guys' butts in their football <laughs> uniforms. And I'm like, wow, girls care about butts. Because I had been working out. I'd been doing, you know, like, uh, I think when I was 15, I, I, I had my mom buy me a, a weight set. But it's funny. I still remember my workout. I remember exactly where it was, how I did it. Every night I would do, here was my workout. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, Is it biceps and chest? Well, I do push-ups, then I do curls, then I do military press, then I do crunches and cab raises. So nothing for my thighs, nothing for my glutes, and nothing for my back. But I, didn't know. I didn't know how to do bent over rows. I didn't have a chin-up bar. I didn't know how to do squats, lunges, uh, dead, stiff leg deadlifts or anything like that, and hip thrusts weren't around until I invented them in 2006. So I, you know, I didn't know what to do. I wish I would have done like barbell glute bridges back then. And I remember when I decided I want to get glutes for myself, 
or I'm going, God, I have these lines under my pecs. How, how come I have lines under my pecs from push-ups? but I can, like, like, I can feel like my pecs doing the job here. And, uh, and I, I wish there was an exercise like that for my glutes. Like, why isn't there like a glute push-up that I can do? And then years later, I'd invent the glute, barbell glute bridge and, and barbell hip thrust, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> well, it's, you know, what's funny about glute and, and back to what you said too, like when you started to work out, I just think fitness has come such a long way because so many people, when they share their fitness journey and, the, and particularly when it comes to weights, even in this day, I mean, we have folks that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and even guys. And, and when they, they'll lose a certain amount of weight, but particularly for people who have, you know, more than 10, 15 pounds to lose, they lose a lot of weight by cardio and diet. And then they realize like, okay, it's time for me to start strength training. They've by that time been exposed to some messaging, but they have no idea where to start. And the truth is, I think even to this day, there's, there's so much information online, but it's surprising. Like you and me, we've, we've been playing in the fitness space. Now you're an expert. I'm the person that like has built a business around all the experts, right. And around bloggers, but we're used to being around people who know what they're talking about and know, you know, you have to work the whole body. We know what reps are in sets, but so many people out there have no idea how to even start. And it's a little, I don't know. It's a little surprising. Like you think about, I could get off on a whole tangent here, but just from my experience in, in Fitfluential, I would even observe that about runners. I wanted to start learning how to run. And I picked up Runner's World magazine and it was so tailored towards somebody who was advanced. And I think to some degree, that's the way it is with weightlifting. People who are just getting started, whether they're like you, 15, 16, 17 years old, they, they don't know how to get started and how to figure out right, the right form and, and how to figure out how to scale up in your weight and sets and reps and all of that. Do you agree? I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's a, a central starting point where people can find information on getting started with, with weight training. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when, when I started, we didn't, I didn't, I mean, the internet wasn't popular until I was about like 21, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never started using it till around then. My initial my, the, way I, the way I had to learn about lifting weights was through the fitness mags. Yeah. So I, and I couldn't afford all of them of my allowance. So I would just go and I, I remember I got a subscription. My favorite was muscular development, but there was muscle and fitness. There was flex. There was Ironman. There was muscular development. There was men's health. Um, and there was also a powerlifting mag that I would try to read. But there wasn't like, you didn't know how did like strength coaches lift weights. You, you know, you had to be like in the inner, like, the NSCA to know that stuff. I didn't know half of, like, I didn't know much about, you know, you just, you, you just knew how the bodybuilders trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I bought like, you know, Arnold's encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding, things like that. But um, it was way harder back then. In fact, I remember, I think I was 21 years old and I was learning, I was start doing stiff leg deadlifts, but you know, you didn't hire a trainer. We couldn't afford it. I was at mm-hmm. my, this was when I was at NAU uh, for my bachelor's degree, um, and <laughs> me and my buddy were doing them. And I, I remember, just I would do completely rounded back. <laughs> like I didn't know any better. I didn't know. I didn't know how to right. do them. I just thought you just like round it over. And we do this complete round back stiff legs. And I remember working my like within a few months I was doing <laughs> four oh five for six. In my first few months of learning. <laughs> what I thought were stiff like deadlifts, and I go to my friend. I go, 
I don't think we're doing these right. I feel these all in my back. And he's like, <laughs> we didn't know better. You know, now at least you have the internet, which is a good yeah. thing. It's a great, it's a double-edged sword. So it's a great thing because you have the internet. But if you just do a Google search, the things that tend to pop up first are, you know, like yeah. the buzzword of the day or the, the you know, they need to keep, it's, it's, it's not, you know, things like progressive overload on the big base. That's not sexy. So you have the media has to keep coming up with new exciting things, and and I think strength and conditioning can be exciting, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to find a, a you know like a bilateral or unilateral squat exercise you like, hinging slash deadlifting movement you like, thrusting bridging movement you like, a couple of presses maybe a vertical and horizontal upper body press and vertical upper body uh, and horizontal upper body pull and those are the things that but you know what makes it fun is is switching up your routine and and focusing on new goals and Mm -hmm. training around issues and you know now i'm at this gym what can i do here or i have you know my shoulders hurting how can i still get a good workout like there's always challenges and obstacles but it can be fun, but it's not, it's never going to be like, just go to the gym, wing it, or do a random workout every, every single session and with no, yeah, with no structure and you'll see good results. So yeah, nowadays it's really hard for people to, you know, and, and they also, with so much out there, it's like, how do you discern what's quality information or not? I think, you know, and I, no one's told me to say this for everybody that's listening. Like you, if you've been following me for a while, you know, I, I have lived this and I, I firmly believe it. I used to be that person that was strictly, I mean, we're talking about like when the VCR was still a tool that we used, right? I got into fitness when Billy Blank's Tybo came out and that was my thing. I was like obsessed with Tybo. It's all cardio. And I think, I think a lot of women start with just being cardio bunnies. And so it was that. And then I start, but I was, I strictly worked out at home. I was too intimidated to go to a gym and I convinced myself I couldn't afford it. But the truth is when I, so I worked my way up, I started doing workouts with weights at home and, and, you know, I think I learned good form for at home, but you know, I was never using a barbell. I was just using free weights. And then when I started going to a gym and when I hired my first trainer, I suddenly really had my eyes open to how different training can be when you have a trainer, you know, and, and there are of course levels of competency in trainers and, and focus. So you got to find a good one. But when I hired a trainer, and I've had three or four great ones. And you and I know a lot of the same people too. Um, you're out in Arizona, Whitney Jones, you know, Heidi Powell, Courtney King, all of those people are my besties. And I know you know them too. And some of them have, have worked with me or given me advice, but I've had some really, really fantastic trainers. And when you know somebody who knows how to look at the long term, you know, like you said, instead of just going to the gym and being on some, hey, I want to lose weight for spring break. But deciding like this is a lifestyle. My body is a magnificent machine, and I, I'm I want to see what I'm capable of, and I want to build strength. I mean, it should be just as much about strength and health and longevity as it is about how you look. And I will never be the person who's going to say I don't work out for how I look because that's fifty percent of it, if not more. But now that I've started working with really good trainers, 
And, and my last one who really got me focusing on building strength and doing a lot of the things that you focus on as well, I really started to become more, more in tuned with that. Like I would go to work out with my trainer and go, I wonder how much I can deadlift today. Like how much better is my strength going to be and how much better is my mobility and my form? And I, I was paying attention to the process more than going home and trying to weigh myself. And I personally think if more women in particular could get into that focus of like, I want to build strength. I want to, I want to, you know, work on my body over the long term. versus I want to go on a diet and lose weight in, you know, 10 weeks for this event to fit into my bikini, their whole life could change. Do you see that when people start coming to your, to your online programs or working with you in, in um, person, do you see that a lot of women come to you and have the complete wrong mindset, but after they start working with you, they have a different attitude. They're looking more about strength and getting strong and, and looking at, at what they can accomplish with their body versus strictly like, I need to be a size zero. Well, I, okay. I think that that's like the typical, okay. Um, when, when you look in the mirror, okay, say you're like a little bit chunky, like you're a little chunkier than you like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like me, if I took, if I strip down right now and look in the mirror, I'm 245 pounds right now. I, I should be like 225 and I'd be lean, but you know, <laughs> it's not my number one priority right now. So, okay. You start noticing your problem areas and you're like, Ooh, I got some belly fat. I, I got some love handles in the back. Okay. I, I need to lose my weight. You know, I need to lose like, you know, 20 pounds and I'd be shredded, but you don't tend to, when you, when you don't understand what you're doing, you're like, you just think if I just starve myself and do cardio, I'll just lose all fat. Like I'll just, I'll lose. And you picture just all that fat melting off and then you just fall your muscle and lose just fat. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you're going to probably lose, you know, like a, at least a fourth of the weight will be muscle. And so you, you end up kind of, you know, let's say you spend this, the more you crash diet, the more you, you know, be a, a cardio body, the more crazy you go, that you can, like, the, the less healthy you do it, then the more muscle you lose. So you might lose, you know, 30 pounds. You don't end up looking the way you want. Because mm-hmm. let's say you, you were 30 pounds overweight or, or, and you wanted, you want to keep your muscle and lose 30 pounds of fat. That's really, really hard to do. You know, chances are you, you could do everything right and still lose, you'd lose like 25 pounds of, of fat and five pounds of muscle with it. So mm-hmm. the more muscle you keep, the leaner you're going to be, the more sh- muscular shape you're going to have. And it's like you lose fat and the not so aesthetically pleasing areas and you build muscle in the aesthetically pleasing areas. And that's how you look athletic and, you know, strong and fit. So it's natural for people to uh, assume like, I just need to do tons of cardio and, and, uh, and, and diet down. But this is what we what builds the best physiques mm-hmm. is take your time. Don't try and lose it all in one month. Try to lose it over the course of four months, you know, try to, Try to spread it out and try to gain strength. You do resistance training. Try and engage in progressive overload and try to, you know, consume around, say, a gram per pound of body weight per day. And that's going to help you retain more muscle. When you do those things, you end up with a better physique. And so I think, like, like the Taibo craze was insane. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I lived through it. Everyone loved that Billy Banks, whatever his name was. He, was. he was amazing. He was highly energetic, and that's normal. 
people want something like that initially. And then as they, as they start approaching their goals, they realize, well, crap, I've lost the weight. I still don't look the way I want, you know, yep. uh, especially with glutes, you know, like you're, you're not going to do tie bow and have, you know, shapely glutes unless you have good glute genetics. If you don't have, if you're like me and you don't have good glute genetics, you got to lift hard to build some, some, some mass back there. So that's when you start taking resistance training more seriously because you realize I need some more shape. It's so true. And I, I remember very clearly that, so I've always had a really like curvy, um, you know, I'm like Jennifer Lopez with bigger boobs, if you will. And I've always had that curvy aesthetic, right? And I noticed for sure, like when I, and it was Whitney Jones actually, who was, you know, getting me out of, you've got to stop focusing on cardio first. I always, I always loved lifting. My problem is, is I just thought, well, I'll just train all day. Like I'll just train for three hours and I'll do a ton of cardio and a ton of weight. I was major for years, stuck in overtraining, under eating, extreme dieting land. But when I did get smart and I listened to the advice of my trainer and she's like, I need you to focus on weights first. And, and she limited my cardio. And what I noticed, and she's like, stop weighing yourself because she knew that if the weight on the scale wasn't going to budge. You know, I was gauging my success based on what I saw on the scale. And as I was building muscle and losing fat, sometimes it would just, I mean, the scale would barely move, but yet my clothes are fitting differently. And ladies, for those of you listening, I really was shocked to see that before when I lost weight, I'd lose weight. But to what Brett said, I kind of had that. I was skinny fat. I had like jiggly skin that I would, I did not feel comfortable in a bikini. And I would have cellulite. And when I started really lifting heavy and really working on, you know, my full body, not just the favorite body parts that I like to change, I saw that my the more I built muscle in my legs and my glutes, like the cellulite just went away because I kind of view it as like a, a if you look at a balloon that's all like it's lost all of the air, it's wrinkled and saggy and gross, and then you fill it up with air. I, I kind of view like that's what muscle does to our skin. It will lift it. And I mean, I could be completely wrong, but that's just to what Brett said. Your body will look for it. You're going to have a more firm body for sure. You're not going to have squishy, mushy, jiggly fat. That's what you need is strength training and, and probably a lot less cardio. Before we move on to start getting specifics, that's just maybe a good point to end this beginning part on, because there's a lot of people, Brett, in our community who are endurance athletes, who are endurance athletes that are starting to get wise and maybe starting to visit a CrossFit box or starting to lift. A lot of them are, are, are tired of the wear and tear they've had with being an endurance athlete, being just a runner. Um, it's really cool to see a lot of people in the community who are starting to, you know, move up. I talked to somebody yesterday who's going to be on the show. He's a power lifter now. He hardly does any cardio. But what would you say to all the women out there who, you know, probably 80% of what they've done for their fitness is, is cardio? Is, is the goal to, to not, because there's a misconception out there, like you either do cardio or you don't do any cardio. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of experts on Instagram that are like, don't do cardio at all, just lift. Do you think that, that we should avoid cardio or is it, you know, just don't be that cardio bunny where that's like the mainstay of your fitness? This is such a good question. So you always have to understand your bias as a, like as an expert and as a scientist and 
I happen to hate cardio. I hate it so much. Like I hate it. So I'm looking for reasons to, to justify not doing it. So half the listeners out there are like me. They're like, oh my God, if I, if I could have a good physique and not do cardio, I would love that. And the other half were like, who enjoy cardio. They're like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, obviously cardio for you, it's good for heart health. It's good for, you know, and, and, and here's the deal. Okay. Doing cardio is obviously good for heart health. Um, and you know, and, and it's good for function too. You should be able to run a mile. It's, it's also good for if, if you listen to podcasts, if it's your like relaxing time, you know, you can get like runners high. And if it's your quiet time, you like being out, that's the only time you get out, get some sun and get it, be out there in nature. Obviously it's a healthy thing. Um, now for me, I don't like to, I, I like walking, you know? I, and so you can absolutely achieve an amazing physique by just lifting weights and getting your daily step count. That's what I love about like, you know, if you, if you, if you get 10,000 steps a day and then whenever you want to lose weight, crank it up to 15. If you want to get in crazy good shape, you know, drop your, drop your carbs and fat a little bit and then up your step count to 20,000 a day. And, you know, that's one way to go about it. Another way is to do some cardio. The problem is people tend to overdo the cardio. Now, there's a lot of research about this. It's called the interference effect. And the first study on the topic, this happens a lot in strength and conditioning. Like the first study, this same thing happened with heavy versus light loads. The first study showed that heavyweight builds muscle way better. And then the next 20 plus studies didn't show that. So, uh, and the same thing with this interference effect. The first study showed this huge interference effect where you do cardio and it zaps your gains. And then now we have way more research out there and it's more uh, nuanced than you would think. So here, here's the deal. Obviously, if you've ever trained for a marathon, you can't hold on your muscle the way you can mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're just lifting weights. Bodybuilders don't run marathons, you know? And that doesn't mean you can never like take six months of your life to focus on running a marathon and then get back to your bodybuilding. But there's obviously going to be an interference effect. You're never going to be your strongest and your best at running, you know, long distances. Um, and is there some point where at some point it zaps your energy and you can't, it zaps your energy. You can't lift weights as hard. And it, and the, the adaptations conflict with each, the muscular adaptations conflict with each other. And, and, you know, it, it steals from your, you have resources that are repairing and replenishing that could be used to building muscles. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, like there's also research showing that it doesn't, it doesn't interfere with the pathways the way we thought. And, you know, it might even be beneficial in some cases and it might depend on the type of exercise. There's, there's some research that indicates running might, might be problematic for you because of the, like the, the eccentric absorption over and over and over and over. And there's, there's evidence that cycling is good for quad growth, you know, mm-hmm. because it's mostly concentric. You don't have an eccentric phase when you cycle, you're just pushing, you're not absorbing so much. And you're, and it's like a, a lot of tension on the quads, a, a lot of metabolic stress, a lot of burn, and it's easier to recover from because of that lack of eccentric phase. We need more research on it, but common sense just shows you, look, when bodybuilders are trying to get in shape, they, they do some cardio. Now, a lot of them, the bigger guys will just walk on an inclined treadmill. They're not doing Stairmaster for an hour. Mm-hmm. But the women are doing Stairmaster for an hour, 
and also this and also that. Sometimes you get women doing way too much exercise in general that prevents them from making good improvements. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This marks the end of part one of this three-part interview with Brett Contreras. Part two is going to go live tomorrow. And make sure you listen to not only part two, but part three. This is a 90-minute total episode.